Welcome back to Going Deeper. My name is Marcy Sklove, and this is part two of my interview with Judy Brooks. Yep. And in this part of the interview, I'd love to focus on Judy's life more, oh. which is so fascinating, and will also include a lot of her time here in Amherst. Mm. But uh, Judy, you grew up, you were born and grew up for five years of your life mm -hmm. in Cabin John, Maryland. Yeah. Which I looked up on Google to find out about it. Yeah. And it probably was a lot different back oh, then. Oh, yeah. And then uh, you moved to D.C. And uh, that was primar primarily so that you could go to an integrated school. Is right, that right, 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 right. Yeah. Because where I live, well, my question now is, did I grow up in D.C. or did I grow up in Amherst? Okay. Oh, what do you mean by that? Because when I stop and look, I've been here in Amherst since 1971. Okay. I was in D.C. from 1940-something to 1970-something, but wasn't uh, my adult life was from like 62 okay. to 70. Yeah. So the last eight, you know, sure. growing, where did I grow up? Really learn to become an adult. Right. But the things that I learned in Washington, D.C. through my college years, because I went to a black college, mm -hmm. and because um, that goes back to being a Maryland product. All of my aunties and everybody were all school teachers, and you only had black colleges to go to to be a school teacher. Uh -huh. So I went to Bowie State, and that's where most of my family um, graduated from, and most of my teachers. And growing up in Washington, D.C., or living in Cabin John, Maryland, as a young person, I have some memories. I have four big brothers, so mm -hmm. I was always active. Didn't want dolls. I wanted to hang out with the guys. They had more fun. We had a lot of farmers around. We stole tomatoes. And it was all black. Right? All black. And it was a circle within a circle. Hmm. And uh, my parents were working for the government. And I don't know what the other people, but I know they was like I told later that this community was developed for the um, government workers so they could have their own black community. Oh, so in a way it was a middle was class. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Army, middle class black Army community. map services, something, something engineer. Okay. So um, my years that I remember in Cabin John, my brothers, uh, it was a country road. It was definitely mm. country, like kind of like Amherst. It's something but, like how many miles long? It's two miles, three miles? Yeah, two miles. It's mi this yeah, little yeah, area. Little, yeah, yeah. yeah. And with the Potomac River right across the street. Yeah. So I remember one of the stories, I must have been about two, two and a half, three. Put your ear down, Judy, and listen and see if it's any cars coming, because my brothers hated me following them everywhere <laughs> I went. Well, it just so happened when I put my ear down to hear a car came, hooked me on my Sure. Oh my God. Pulled me down to the dirt road. The person was my midwife. I was born at home uh -huh. at 5 30 in the morning. Yeah. So the woman who brought me into the world almost oh. took me out. Oh, but geez. luckily, they said because back then the cars were so high up, you know, they weren't like low. Uh -huh. And I fell off at the dirt road when she went over a bump. I have the scar to remember, wow. but none of, you know, horrify, I don't remember. Right. I know my brothers probably all got in trouble from my mom, 
But that I remember, and then riding, we lived on, in order to get into D.C., it was like um, a train ride, trolley ride, and we lived at the last stop, and we had to walk two miles home mm. to go. So we would walk down, get on a trolley, pass by this huge amusement park called Echo Park. And I would ask, how come we can't go there? And would stop, like deliberately stop right in front so you could see all the kids. Oh, wow. Glen Echo Park having fun. And we couldn't get off because we were Negroes. Wow. And Negroes weren't allowed in the park. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So it's okay. You go by there and did that. But I could care less what was happening outside of my inner circle because all the fun was there. Yeah. Our neighbors set up sheets and showed us cartoons from, you know, so not, and then when I moved into Washington, D.C. to go to school, I went to all-black school. Oh, you did? All-black community, because it wasn't integrated, remember, mm -hmm. in 1949. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was well-protected and happy as a lark. Yeah. I had my social group. We had our fun things to do. We had our movies to go to, which was um, now, there are no movies. I think one they reopened. And it's very expensive to go mm -hmm. to the Howard University, I mean, the Howard Theater, where we would go and see live music hmm. and all that. And all of my classmates. So you went to school, elementary school with people, graduated with them, the mm -hmm. same people. It sure. was a neighborhood. Yeah. Didn't know about the issues other than what I heard from conversations within my house when we would go down south. And my father was from North Carolina, so. Yeah. In the car going down, Judy, don't say this, Judy, don't do this, behave, da 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 da. So I remember one time going down, we stopped to get some gas or something, um, and I wanted a Coke. Don't get out the car. I got out the car. Uh -oh. I went in, got me a Coke. The man said, we don't serve niggas. I said, oh, I don't eat them. I put, got my Coke and came out and got back in the car. He came out and I guess reprimanded me and told my father and I know we sped off after we wow. left there. So that, that was, was then. Pretty brave. Oh yeah, but I didn't know what he was talking about. We uh -huh. don't, you know. So not until I got to high school, did hmm. the whole racial thing started. What? How come Alabama and seeing kids being washed with the, you know? Sure. So that was in the early 60s? Right, when then, then down on campus, I was going to an all-black campus, word got out that they were gonna close our campus. Yeah. Oh no, they weren't. So we formed a, uh, a group of students, got a bus, went down to Agnew, was the governor mm. of wow. Maryland at that time, and we had our protests of not to close our school because it was a black school. Right. And they were taking away our federal monies in order to wow. So we said, no, 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 went to jail and did all those things. Wow. But I mean, you know, they didn't know what to do with us. Called mm -hmm. our parents, we came and got us back. That was my first beginning of organization yeah. for a cause wow. and understanding what this whole thing of being black was about. Huh. Okay, I joined, the t I graduated from Bowie became a teacher yeah. in Prince George's County. Had to um, go to my AP uh, teachers meetings. There was a black caucus within that group. Mm -hmm. Never did we have a black representative elected from Prince George's County to go to the National Education Association, mm -hmm. okay? This is when Martin Luther King and all that stuff is all buzzing down in mm -hmm. the South and all mm -hmm. this is going. 
Prince George's County is one of the most racist counties there existed right outside of Washington, D.C. So we formulated the Black Teachers Caucus, and we would have our meetings. And my mom used to say, I was going to my, and I was a Black Panther, we'd go into our Panther meetings, but we had connections of working and organizing with um, uh, SNCC, who was out of the Martin Luther King group, so we all became SNCC had the opportunity of meeting Martin Luther King and organizing wow. and working to make a long story short. So I became active, fighting for my rights yeah. and understanding this whole black situation. Here I go teaching 1967 uh, six, Bladensburg Elementary School, mm -hmm. okay? All white, four black oh, that's teachers. That's what you were saying before only black second grade teacher. I'm in a big school, it's a special school because on the second floor and only dealt with hearing and speech language. You had kids in your classroom that were speech and language impaired. So okay. you, okay. Um, the riot, you know, breaking out right. the whole thing. Never paid any attention. The kids never called me any, or nothing. Martin Luther King was assassinated. All the white teachers came to my room that day apologizing. You know, okay. Hmm. So the black teachers all got together and said, let's get, let's walk out. So we, before we got to school that day, we all decided we were going to wear black. Mm -hmm. And we did. We met. And we did. And then we. And we, you were walking out at, for what reason? Just the protests. Okay. Okay. How you were treated or. The Just the show how we felt about the whole situation, okay. why he, why, why would you assassinate somebody who was trying to bring... I see. So after that, the bomb threats began in Bladensburg really? Elementary School because Big Mouth here wanted to start doing some teaching, black history. So the black teachers got together and said, this is what we're going to present. So we had this big meeting one night with the community and the students and the teachers. And the parents said we were going to integrate black history into our curriculum in Bladensburg Elementary School. Huh. That started the next day the phone calls came in. Wow. So that went on for a while to the fact that Fort Meade had to send in the bomb squad to teach us how to get in the building, how to open drawers, how to die. I said, I so know. So that you wouldn't set off a bomb. I said, well, I know oh, how I get in my car, because I know they're going to blow mine up, you know? So we went through all of that. And the kids are saying, what's happening? Yeah. Why? And There's um, always the kids. You yeah, know? the kids who had no idea that it was happening and why the kids, their brothers were fighting. And all this integration is coming, you know, piling on. Okay. So... Martin Luther King's assassinated, and like I, um, all hell breaks loose in Washington, D.C. And I live near the Maryland line. Mm -hmm. All I'm seeing is National Guard riding up, coming in, camping out at the high school because they didn't want the white folks to start coming in to Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. So every morning I had to go past this chicken check out to get over to the other side to go to work. Wow. And folks coming in who worked at the Pentecost, you know, D.C., everybody yeah. coming. So that was the beginning of um, my lights going on and the whole thing about 
um, Civil Rights Act, what that meant. Right. And um, hmm. when I, yeah, because that was the beginning and understanding and that. And the beginning of and your the work, activism. And then the activity leading up to the march mm -hmm. uh, on Washington. My husband and I both participated in that. And that was our first 50th anniversary. To this weekend was your 50th anniversary. Well, last anniversary. weekend, last, last year, last year was yeah. the first. And um, bringing in the dream. Mm. All right, how am I going to bring in the dream? I go to Pelham Elementary School. Mm. My dream begins. Mm. I moved to Amherst. The dream almost became a nightmare yeah. because of the things that I was taught to do, and. Um, what do you other, mean? Like what? Respecting, you know, people aren't. This happened down south. This is not supposed to be happening in Massachusetts. Yeah. But it, it, all of a sudden, it seemed like Mississippi. You know, from wow. the racial things that were bombarding okay. and hitting, and you go out. And back then, I had a big old fro. Okay. I was stopped once because they thought I was Angela Davis. Uh. <laughs> so moving here and being in the center of town yeah. with this big old fro, right? you drew attention when you walked into stop and shop. Sure. Everybody turned, and I got so tired of being followed around in the stores. I just said, you better go wow. watch that other person because I'm not doing the shoplifting. You better watch that when yeah. in Zayers and all those other things. Mm. So, you know, you started feeling it. Yeah. And I said, well, Mississippi. And then living in a house, the ABC house, a better chance. Okay. That is right in the center of town with five Native Americans and five blacks. This we are is the most 71. You come in, you and Barry come in to be the co-directors with your little kids. With my two children. Yeah. Ten young men okay. from all over the United States, my Native Americans, Mohawk, Chippewa, hmm. Lumberton, the whole group. And this was an initiative to bring educational um, uh, access. Or access. Oh, no, the, you know, these kids are coming out of deprived areas okay. to give them the better chance for an education so they could be better for okay. themselves. So we had kids from New York, Washington, D.C. And it's a privately funded. By the town. By it's the a, town. In, in United Way, because that's why we have their foliage walk. Right. Remember the foliage oh, walk? Sure. Community. Absolutely. This is a community supported, wonderful program. It's yeah. one of the best successful programs in the history of A Better Chance, which is in the national offices in Boston. Oh, okay. Have residencies. We used to have one in South Hadley, a yeah. girls program. The community said no, so they said went on. Long Meadow had boys and girls program. Mm -hmm. Williamstown may still have theirs, mm -hmm. but most of the ABC programs started on prep schools in um, like Mount Hermon, Milton, where okay. our governor went as an ABC oh, student. Really? Yes. Deval Patrick. Deval Patrick. Wow. He's an alum. So you know they were spread nationally, yeah. but Amherst. It's a residential program mm -hmm. that is one of the most historical ones to exist in a residence because it's a community. Sure. So I know the attitude of supporting goodness with racial things is there. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it would not. You have mean it's there in the town? Yes. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. we would not have existed That's, this yeah. long, and I know there's a connection because you have people from. 
Amherst College and um, the private sector and UMass who were board members of okay. this program to keep it function. Yeah. So my job once I got out was to be, really threw me into dealing with the racial things. Not yeah. that that was my job, but that was sure. what it became. Uh, going over to the school and inquiring about how come because you know you mean in terms of them get being able, the boys being able to play on sports teams yes and football teams were they being disciplined more readily than the no, white students no they were just or? being denied their wish okay. to play a sport yeah just because oh you over at the ABC house and they had no idea wow so then that's when I had to start going further out into the police department educating what ABC, it's not a reformatory for boys. Mm -hmm. It's our educational programs, okay. Then my listening to the black kids complain, I have the Native Americans over here who are going through the same issue, but also being used because they're the first American Indians, right. you know, you know. So you're getting like this. So you're fighting for both sides. Sure. And then to the point where one year, I forget what year, when they had the um, big ride down in D.C. with the American Indian Association, okay. my students went. I couldn't stop them. They had yeah. to go. Yeah, sure. So I said, okay, we didn't tell the board, but we let them go. <laughs> yeah. Next morning. Today, They're like 15 years old, yeah, right? Yeah, 15, 16, yeah. one senior who, mm -hmm. I'm my first graduate. There they were on TV. Yeah. I said, oh my God, everybody in the world's gonna know they're there. <laughs> so we got a phone, few phone calls for the board. I called the family in Washington, D.C. said, go down and get my guys, please, and protect them. So my brother and his wife went down and oh, went and got them. And they got back safe and sound, but that was their yeah. uh, revolt against right. what was happening to them. Right. Because on their reservations, they weren't getting paved road, they weren't getting yeah. water. Different issues, but the same reason yeah. on racial. Yeah, yeah. So, educating the town of Amherst wow. was a big job. And then once I became involved in the school system, right. I and then became the first black elected in the town oh, of Amherst. Really, you were the first black selected. So I did tell me, yeah. <laughs> um, but I huh. got involved because I wanted to change. Yeah. This whole racial thing had to be changed. We had to wake up. And, you know, so I used yeah. those positions, mm -hmm. school, to get the school involved, get the community involved, government, right? get those things, and BAMs, we got them right. involved, mm -hmm. and getting them, you know, we already doesn't come off, right. you know. And then just being exposed with the Mass Mutual Association mm -hmm. of all the 320, no, 351 communities, and when you go out to your big meetings and you look around and you say, okay, just me. Really? Oh, yeah. Wait, these mass mutual... Was... Uh, those are your select board and okay. all the people who okay. work for the champ for your local Okay, towns. so that was... You were, big, you were like going wearing NEA. your select board right. hat. Right, I'd be wearing my select board hat. And you would be the only black person in this whole room. Wow. Yeah. So then I said, well, let me branch out. My friend in uh, East Hampton, Jeanette Davis, became another black select representing, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we could compare notes. Then we organized within um, the select board, uh, WEMO, Women Elected Mass Officials. So we would, and I would be the only woman of color 
amongst this group, and we would all go up to Manchester by the sea yeah. to have our summer luncheon with Edie Wilkinson. Oh, Edie. Yeah, yeah. Elise Campbell, mm -hmm. Carolyn uh, Holstein, yeah. and myself. Yeah. So we were the forerunners. And people would look at us from there and said, oh, yeah, that's Amherst, you know, because oh, we were wow. so far ahead of things because of um, Edie Wilkinson. And the day that we had our 1992 becoming um, a more multicultural society, and that's the day Elisa Campbell came up. Oh. And informed me. Oh, wow. Did she remember? Yeah. So that even made it a so better. So you mean came out as a lesbian. Right. And it was wow. supporting those That's issues. Great. Yeah. So all of that came out. So the doors began to open. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. things began to improve. But along the way, and as I said, we all think now when Gus Sayer came, those expectations that we had of ourselves weren't encouraged or he had to change them mm -hmm. to suit whatever dreams he wanted. Wow. And so from that point on, and then we had Hockman, who you, you know came in sure, and stepped Hockman. over and whenever, but there was never yeah. a kept follow through. And as that happened, you had an influx of minorities, right. of people of color, right. people who had second languages. Sure. Then you had immigrants, Central Americans coming right. in. Our first immigrants were the Cambodian students yeah, who came into that. the school system. That's when we had Lao, you know, mm -hmm. for the language. Mm -hmm. Then we had Spanish and then we had others. But now, 21st century, it's much different. It's how many languages? 78 or something, something I forget. Some, some huge number. Yeah, in, yeah. yeah, so it's huge. Very complex. And I can understand why the parents of today, because there is some anger, because if we had done for the black um, parents who, who were the pioneers, I would say, mm -hmm. were listened to yeah. and we worked together and not Band-Aid, we wouldn't be looking at the issues that we're dealing with today. And yeah. un understandably, these people are angry. Yeah. And I think some because of um, lack of education. On whose part? On maybe some of the school committee people or right. some on both sides. On both sides, really. Yeah. And brings on ignorance. Right. And when you don't know, you can't assume. Right. And then when those assumptions, you know what they say about assumptions. Oh, I know that one. And that's what I hope it doesn't make of all of us. Right. Okay. So what can we do now? Well, I mean, I, we only have four minutes to, I know, but what I think, to really, you know, like change the world here. Uh, we can't change. I'm just going to concentrate problems. on Amherst. Okay. Because this has been a 40-year thing for me. Okay. And seeing it go through and seeing some success that even the battles that we fought before, mm -hmm. brought forth some improvements. Yes. So, and it wasn't easy getting all these people to come together, the superintendent, to agree to take multicultural courses, right. to, you know, in the curriculum. It was, it had to have follow through, follow through, follow through. And then at the beginning of the years, incentives, incentives. Yeah. And then for the minority recruitment, what incentive? So we, right. it was like, you know, we had to keep digging and right. keep fighting um, 
So what, and then we came up with BAMS. So if we could look at BAMS as yeah. a foundation. You know, it's also, with all these interviews I'm doing, what I'm hearing over and over again is how important having a sense of a very strong community of segregated community initially. You mm -hmm. know, you growing up in right. your black neighborhood and feeling so held in that. Julius Lester said the same thing yeah. in his childhood. Right. You know, right. being held, knowing who you are. You are a village. In yourself, knowing right. who you are. Confidence, yeah. And that's maybe lacking. part of it, right. too. We don't have a that's black. That's lacking. In the early 70s, when I moved here, from mm -hmm. 71 to middle 80s, there was this black community. Oh, really? Because we were all graduate students okay. with children. Yeah. There were a few professionals that we brought, you know, mm -hmm. people like um, the dean of education mm -hmm. and um, Norma Jane Anderson. We yes. had some good role models who were encouraging us, who were working with us. And then there was us. We had kids. There was no leisure services. So a lot of stuff, we had to build our sure. own black community. And that in itself was the best part. Yeah. I don't see that anymore. Really? Uh, and our friends who are now retired and grandmas, who we now sit in grandpas, we said, said, what happened? Wow. Where are they? Because huh. our kids are all grown and gone. Yeah. So there's still this cluster of us who are still here. Yeah. And so when we look back and look around, we don't see the coming together. We go down in Groff Park. Everybody, let's go to Groff Park and just let the kids run wild. Yeah. Because we didn't have soccer teams. We didn't have bath. And I think some of that began the division uh, of us as people and as community when yeah. we started doing the separation. Yeah. And then that whole elitist thing, right. whole classism it's thing. Class, yeah. And then when we built that big community over there called Amherst Woods, that brought in another whole hmm. elitist thing within our school system and more directions felt that people over here who had been feeling, you know, the poor and left out, that yeah. these people were getting more than what they wanted yeah. because their language and their money was, you know, mm -hmm. so you had more than black white you had the whole the class. classism economic right which is the and, issue today and the black community in amherst is not one cohesive it's group. a big it's a larger and it's, interracial it's, yeah black community yeah, yeah. you know we all all of us don't all speak English. Right. We have Caribbeans, we have Africans, we have Cape Verdeans, we have right. a whole Puerto Ricans. You know, you have a whole mixture sure. of different cultures, which then brings on different attitudes and different wants and, and things. Yeah. And a lot of the issues may be second language that mm -hmm. the teachers are not understanding because I don't know how the second language program or if it's overwhelmed. Yeah. Or if SPED is overwhelmed, yeah. it's bringing more pressure or, on, or unwanted pressure on teachers from the flat that we're getting over here mm -hmm. from parents who don't think this group is doing what they're supposed to. Yeah. So tell them how these have to come up with some level, let's just respect here. Yeah. Let's go back and do some history. Where did we break down? Yeah. And now how can we bend Build the fences yeah. and how can we go on? For the sake oh, of the children. For the sake of the children. You know? Judy, I think um, this is where we're going to have to okay. stop. But, yeah. boy, 
you have shared a lot, and I really appreciate oh, everything. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me, because yeah. I think if you should reach out, you can dig more, because more of us are here. Yes. And are doing what we can do. Right. You know, to, to help. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you all for yeah. joining us today. And again, thanks to Judy, thank and thanks being... also to the Amherst Media folks who yeah. are taking care of us to make this show happen. Okay, see you next time. Yeah.